correctly with the correct amount. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. radiocom Welcome to Me and Steve Talk RPG, the podcast where me and my friend Steve try and help you get the most out of your role-playing game experience. Hey folks, welcome back to Me and Steve Talk RPGs. I'm Steve, and over there is Steve. Hello. And uh, we've got a guest this week, but before we get to all that, Steve, what's our podcast of the week this week? Did I tell you? No, I don't think you did. <laughs> oh, I didn't. Well, then I would explain why you don't know. I'm like, uh, uh, uh well, I could name one. <laughs> so there's two choices for role-playing things that you and I really connected on when we first met. Mm. One we talk about all the time. One we talk about a little bit less. I draw a blank. Cyberpunk is day. one of them. What's the other yes. one? Uh, Call of Cthulhu? No. Oh. More basic. Sort of. Um, Genesis? E. B. Eberron. Eberron Renewed? Yes, yes. Eberron Renewed. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> yep. Eberron Renewed is another podcast here on the D20 Radio Network. And uh, it's an actual play podcast focused around hmm, the world of Eberron. Who would have guessed? Uh, the first campaign they did was a giant, you know, globe-hopping thing in 5th edition Dungeons and Dragons and their second campaign which I think they may be getting close to wrapping up. I don't know. I'm not quite exactly current on it, in all honesty listening, but they uh, they converted to the Genesis rule system and they have indicated that they are going to use a last I knew, as of yet unannounced, some other system for campaign 3 whenever that occurs. But uh, Eric and crew are uh, really cool people. We got to meet most of the cast when we were at Gamer Nation Con. Mm-hmm. Um, really cool people, really good stuff. So, uh, yeah, you can check out Eberron Renewed pretty much anywhere you find podcasts. And, of course, there'll be a link to their feed page or web page or whichever sort of thing I can find uh, in the show notes. Yeah, very cool. Yep. So, with all that being said, uh, within the last few weeks, there was some sort of big gaming event out in the middle of the country. Yeah, I never heard of it. And yeah, you and I didn't get to go because life, et cetera. But it uh, seems like, you know, there's probably some news and stuff. So I got a hold of someone who did go and happens to write for a bunch of different websites and so on and so forth. And also is a former guest uh, returning. So uh, welcome to the show, Egg Embry. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Oh, always a fun time. Always a fun time. So yeah, uh, rumor has it that, that you were at some little gaming festival somewhere out in the middle of the country recently. So I only attend the most indie indie gaming conventions there are. And uh, mm-hmm. since I only do the most indie. I went to Indianapolis, Gen Con. <laughs> uh, the, the, the sad part is, is yeah. I remember when Gen Con was a small indie festival or indie uh, convention. I knew of it when it was. That's the most I can say. Because, like, geographically, when it was actually a small indie convention, it was so far away from where I live, it was never a thought. Yeah. Well, it originally was up in Lake Geneva, wasn't it? Indeed. Mm-hmm. Working at going to GaryCon next year, like, coming from Georgia, 
to get to Gary Conning, like, oh, it's just a 14-hour nonstop car ride. This is no <laughs> problem. No problem. Well, that's us driving. We're going to drive to Texas next year for uh, Gamer Nation Con, and we're like, uh, what is it, 16 hours? That'll be fun. <laughs> I think it was about a four-hour flight. That actually wasn't that bad. No, it's not terrible, but... So I've had lots of friends go to Gen Con. I've heard good things. What were the highlights for you this year? So Gen Con's always a good time. It is you and this year over 70,000 of your closest friends. So uh, for those that have never been, it's in downtown Indianapolis. Uh, They have a gigantic convention center that happens to sit next to uh, the Lucas Oil football stadium. And you're in both of those plus in a bunch of hotels. So while it's 70,000 people, you're generally not crushed in together unless you went this year for the Lorcana cards, in which case you were in a line and that's an entirely different podcast. Oh, hear about that? <laughs> Are you talking the the uh, magic card, the palette of magic cards that got stolen? No, this is a, so Lorcana is a, 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 a tradable card game that is just debuting, debuted, or it, it debuted before, but really it really hit the market in a wide way. At Gen Con, uh, it basically takes Disney's characters and puts them into a card game. And uh, demand for it is unprecedented since the, say, Legends dropped for uh, Magic the Gathering. Like, it's big. And uh, while we were there, mm-hmm. I'm into RPGs, so it did not affect my convention. But if you were there for Lorcana, it was amazing to see the, to see the lines. A lot of people. Yeah, that's that game looks awesome. I'm scared of their pricing structure, but that's a different podcast and a different topic. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> so getting back on topic, and I apologize. That was uh, the big thing that was going on sort of adjacent to the convention. Uh, the convention itself, it's a good time. Uh, you try to get there on Wednesday. It starts Thursday, runs through Sunday, and it's just about connecting with all the people that I can at the convention, and there's no way to talk to all the people that you know. It's just, it's too many. And then uh, playing a bunch of fun games. Cool, cool. I know it's also it's traditionally a place where a lot of games get announced or released. Indeed. And, you know, which, uh, given your the journalistic side of what you do, I'm sure is also useful for you. It is for uh, learning about the new games. I don't, I mean, even even if I were just there strictly for that, trying to check out all the new games... It would be a hard time to do it all. It's, I mean, it's the it's the most fun you can have in gaming in four days, but it's also the busiest four days of gaming. I mean, it's just a lot going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've thought about going out at some point. I actually uh, have a family member that lives in the greater Indianapolis area. But uh, now with the cards, though, I thought for a minute there, I remember seeing something on Facebook about someone stealing a pallet of yes. magic cards. Yeah, they stole like thirty thousand dollars in match. No, I thought it was like three hundred thousand. Oh, was it? I, maybe it was higher than what I had heard. But having been to downtown Indianapolis, it's very flat. And I thought if that had happened at a convention in Pittsburgh, there'd have been no controversy. You'd have just gone outside, looked for the guy pinned to the guardrail on the far side of the parking lot by the pallet jack that pushed him down the hill, and that'd have been the end of it. <clears throat> Amen to that. See have conventions in safer places like Pittsburgh, so you can't have things stolen, rolled out of the building. Uh, I will say this, that like Indianapolis, on there many, many times, uh, very, very safe town. Um, and, you know, I've oh, read yeah. about the people it's... that have actually committed the crime and 
where they're from, and it is nowhere near Indianapolis. Oh, no, I, I was more making a joke about the geography of where we live than anything else. I'm following you on that. Like, uh, Atlanta's hilly as well. Indianapolis, like, it's corn country. It's flat. Is that, that, those are smooth walks. That's what I can say about that place. <laughs> oh, my. So, I mean, I don't know. Where do you start with, with what all went on there? I know, you know, I've seen bits and pieces. I know uh, Free League cleaned up at the Ennies. Yes. Uh, well deserved whole bunch of golds as they do mm-hmm. um but uh let me talk to you know what go ahead, go, go go ahead. ahead. No, i was just gonna ask like kind of what what caught your attention what things you know so were for me um this part is hard for you know what what catches my attention because going into the convention a lot of the things have already been spoiled for me right uh because i'm part mm-hmm. of the, the the very small group of journalism uh, people reach out before the convention to set up meetings, share a lot of stuff. So when I get to the convention, I kind of know some of the stuff that's there and then other things and surprises. And then the things I'm most interested in finding out about, I'm like, oh, that would have been my, my, my announcement of the show that I wasn't aware of before, prior. But it just uh, a lot happens and a lot of games are announced. I found that generally I do better just going in, sort of absorbing what's there coming back and taking the connections that I have and spending the next three months, six months talking to people about the products that are actually going to come out. Because while it was announced at the show, where I come in journalistically is typically when they're kickstarting or crowdfunding it. So it was announced there, but they don't crowdfund it till next quarter, next year. And that's when I'm going to be more interested in it, at least for what I write. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. Or... While I'm there, you know, it's just about uh, talking with the different creators. Uh, this year was eye-opening, okay? So, like, they set a new attendance record, right? So, I was there in 2019, which was their last attendance high. Then, obviously, COVID knocks it down, and they're back to a new high. And this was the year that, like, my eyes were open to the fact that I take a very lackadaisical approach to the conventions because they're, 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 they're pretty easy to go and meet everybody that you want to meet. Maybe you can't meet one or two people that you needed to, but there's so many people there you're going to meet enough and felt like you did everything you need to from my perspective. This was the year that things really needed to be scheduled. There were so many people and so many meetings. I talked to some folks, but I missed so many others. Do you think that's a function of it being like the comeback from COVID where everyone is, oh, wait, yeah, I haven't gotten to talk to this person in three years, you know, so to speak, that being a very widespread scenario? I think that is definitely a contributor. I feel that we're running, we're hitting this uh, new era where we're running into more and more creators in tabletop RPG, that this is their sole profession. You know, when I first started, which was only, you know, six, seven, eight years ago, right? In terms of doing the journalism part, mm-hmm. the number of people that this was the only job they did, I mean, it was in the dozens. You know, I, I, I talked to the, the big people in the industry at that point, everyone else had a day job. And uh, now we're running into, it's somewhere in the hundreds, I believe. And while that's not an outrageous number, that's still a huge improvement. And we're also seeing a lot more, like, you know, six, seven, eight years ago, drive through RPG was about the only job that's kind of outside of core of role-playing. You had someone that was making a living. You had a number of people that were making a living through drive through Right. Now you've got a lot of different, you know, outfits that are making a, a real 
a real living, uh, people were talking about the fact that, you know, when I'd run into them, like, oh, I just came from a meeting with Roll20, I just came from a meeting with this group or that group or uh, this company or setting up this. And we're seeing a lot more of those connections, or at least I'm seeing a lot more of those connections happening at the show. So people that are running the companies, they're not manning the booths like they used to because they have so many meetings while they're there. And this is all great news, right? You know, you're seeing all these mm-hmm. uh, different groups that are really coming into their own, and they're able to be out there and actually make deals, which makes the company bigger, right? Which allows them to pay better rates, which allows mm-hmm. to, them to hire more people, which eventually leads to more creators that you know, RPG becomes their full-time job. So, mm-hmm. That's my take on that part of it. Just to, to follow down that road for a bit, is that perhaps, I think we saw over the course of the pandemic, kind of a increase in the in what was being turned mm-hmm. out in some cases because everyone's all mm-hmm. staying in the house so why not create stuff and then also you had in some cases people had to you know well a lot of we all had to stay home so we have to do something with our time so are we playing more games thus you know like obviously you know roll 20 all the vtt people saw a huge uptick in the use of their products like is it kind of just that whole kind of surge kind of carrying forward or is it a, a bigger force do you think i think it's the surge carrying forward i think that now again you know critical role right used to just be critical role and you know now you got critical role their spinoff shows dimension 20 and am i just blanked on the other three or four but you know like there, there's now a number of actual plays that that's just what they do um we're seeing that mm-hmm. as a growing industry uh, you can go into the toy store and buy Dungeons and Dragons action figures. You can go into the comic book store, and obviously there's always been some degree of uh, RPG comics, but right now IDW is putting out Dungeons and Dragons comics. Dynamite Entertainment's doing a um, Pathfinder and Starfinder comics. Starfinder being new this year. Dynamite Entertainment's also kickstarting right now. Uh, Fire and Ice, the animated movie from what 1983 or something like that. They're turning it into a miniatures game. They've turned it into a comic. And uh, with the miniatures game, it's going to include uh, RPG rules. But we're seeing, you know, uh, an expansion, right? More things are becoming RPGs. Mm-hmm. It's of bigger interest to different companies and different groups. Mm-hmm. So I feel that that is driving the whole industry. You know, we're seeing more industry interest because there's, there's more fans. You know, 70,000 plus people went to Indianapolis. Which is a lot. It's a lot. And uh, I believe that the UK convention, UK Games Expo, I think that they, I don't know if they set a record this year. I think that they weren't, if they didn't, they weren't far below where they were pre-pandemic. But there's still just a lot of interest in RPG, and I don't think it's just a pent-up from the pandemic, because I feel that a lot of instances people would have gotten their fill of it, right? I feel instead what happened is people played, found out they liked it, and post-pandemic, this is still a part of what they like. It makes sense. I mean, I think, you know, a lot of... I think probably Critical Role and and the other streams just have done a bit to kind of normalize it, if you will, you know, to where it's not quite, you know, the the nerdy kids in the basement, you know, stigma that it had for a long time. I mean, it's nerdy adults a lot of times in the basement, but, you know. I'm the nerdiest. (laughs) But, like... You know, it's, I think it is, it's, and plus you're seeing, you know, with Critical Role, and then you have, 
you know, stuff like some of you know, Vin Diesel, um, you know, uh, Joe mm-hmm. Manganello and and some of the stuff he's done, you know, with some of the people he plays with that, you know, it's like mm-hmm. Tom Morello and Big mm-hmm. Show, and it's like, okay, you know, it's just pe- names you weren't mm-hmm. expecting. And so I think that's probably, you know, contributed a little bit to that growth. But so, I mean, I don't know, I guess, aside from just lots and lots of gaming and fun, what, I mean, were there any really big stories that, that broke at Gen Con this year? I don't recall catching any in, in surfing various social medias, but. In terms of big stories, they did, they got, stories from Gen Con were overshadowed by the Lorcana and the theft. Uh, in terms of RPG stories, I think I'm going to, I'm going to share a couple of things that they weren't huge, but I feel they're game changers. Mm-hmm. Uh, World of Game Design. It is a company that I, I, I'm seeing a lot from. Uh, World of Game Design isn't so much a, they, they publish stuff, but uh, they're taking a new approach to tabletop gaming. I come from comic books, right? Comic book conventions are everywhere. Generally speaking, most of the companies uh, that, like if you're a mid-sized comic book publisher, uh, you probably have a dedicated team of people all they do is they just roll the roads constantly, going from convention to convention to convention, selling your wares. You basically have a team that does that if you're a midsize. If you're bigger than midsize, you don't bother going. If you're too small, you go to a couple. But there's enough comic conventions that you could basically have a team that that's what they do. Get over to gaming conventions, not so much, right? So there's not enough uh, there's not enough gaming conventions of size for everyone to go to. Or the game design stepped in and filled in some of that some of that space uh, by offering a couple of services, which I think are going to start changing some things. One, World of Game Design will come in and set up a booth for you. Like, you'll agree to sign with them. You know, they'll have your booth set up. They'll even have some people there to help you with the booth, right, to help run it. So that all you're doing is coming in and making your pitches. You know, they've got your product in that booth and all that stuff. That's a game changer for a lot of publishers that, you know, literally they're only going to go to like three conventions a year, right? And if you're going to three conventions a year mm-hmm. and you're still a sort of mid-sized publisher, this saves you from having to spend literally two, three, four months worth of your time trying to get this all set up. Some company will take care of it. They'll take a percentage. You'll still get to go to the conventions. So I think that's game changer number one that came out of this convention. Game changer number two is uh, the gaming itself. World of Game Design will set up, you know, have it where if you sign with them, they'll get GMs in to run your games, right? There's so many awesome games mm-hmm. out there. Free League, as you know, cleaned up at the Any Awards, as y'all mentioned earlier, right? They don't tend to have a huge number mm-hmm. of games played at Gen Con. Or, yeah, Gen Con. And uh, it, it, it's always been a shame, right? It's like, oh, you've got really cool games, but, like, there's two or three sessions of each of them. They're signed with... World of Game Design, and this year they had a lot of sessions. So, you know, they dropped Dragon Bane, which just came out today as we're recording this, and uh, that game is awesome, but also that game mm-hmm. had a big presence at the convention. Now, they had the Blade Runner game, and they had a big presence at the convention. They had their specific room at the convention, and they were running demos constantly of both those games. So, not to say that Free League wasn't doing what they should, they absolutely did what they could, but obviously being based out of Sweden that makes some things difficult. Whereas now, uh, between their guy Doug, who is their, their staff member on the ground, who coordinates all their conventions, 
working with uh, World of Game Design, and at least, I, I, let me just say this, let me just say this. I am speaking out of school or out of sorts in that I'm not 100% certain whether it was World of Game Design or Doug and that team. I believe they work together. I could be wrong. Not not on the inside. I just know that I'm seeing a lot of this kind of stuff. So if I'm wrong about that, I apologize. But I believe they were working together to have a big presence. And it made it to where a lot of people that have been enjoying their games weren't just able to buy them. They were able to go play them, which leads to more sales at the convention. Because the number one thing that came out of this convention, and the main story I would say, is, man, by Saturday, I was talking to publishers. They're like, we don't got a lot of product left, or we got another day to go. Now, that's awesome news. So, yeah. I talked to Cubicle 7. You know, Saturday rolls around. They still had stuff, don't get me wrong. But, I mean, stuff was selling out like crazy for them at the same time. You know, you're, you're looking at, like, okay, so you had a huge number of things, then small number of things. Walked past a guy that was selling dice, right? And uh, we went past, on Thursday, he had 200 box sets of dice, right? These weren't the cheap kind mm -hmm. of dice, you know, basically $100, $200 for a single set of dice. Super nice, all that kind of stuff, right? He came by on Saturday, looked past his booth, he had two. 200 to two. Um, so he was pretty happy. I would and, imagine. Uh, I spoke with Free League, and they had, I mean, they were selling out of stuff. So, uh, every, and it wasn't like people were bringing small amounts. People, all the companies had huge amounts of merchandise, but was not sticking around because this was a convention where people did show up to buy and enough people showed up. This was in spite of the fact that people were there buying Lorcana and the other new offerings. Mm -hmm. so it was, uh, in terms of things that I saw, seeing a better uh, setup for the mid-tier publishers to where they could interact with fans by having a booth uh, that's been set up for them, by having gaming that is available, um, having GMs, you know, having all that arranged for them, and then also being able to sell out of their product. You know, if we had more Gen Cons, packs Unplugged, and the like per year, uh, it would make a big difference in tabletop gaming. I thought it was a great convention for that. You're right. Though. The gaming conventions, like, there's a lot of the little ones, you know, and by little, I mean, like, you know, a few thousand people. Mm -hmm. But, like, for a publisher, if they're not, if they don't have a representative local, mm -hmm. It's probably a pretty significant investment for them to, you know, send someone on a flight or a many hour drive. Mm -hmm. And so you then you have to, you know, get table space and, you know, everything else. So, yeah, I guess, like you said, the, you know, this, would you call it world of game design? Yeah. yeah. It's kind of offering this setup service, mm -hmm. you know, sounds like a thing that, that really could take a, a load off of them. And I, you know, from what you're saying, it almost sounds like they work kind of on a commission level. So it's, you know, they're taking some of the risk, I'm guessing. Yes. But that's, that is a, a significant thing, I would think. Um, all right. So I got a question from, from uh, one of our Patreon supporters. It kind of ties into a little bit of what you were just saying, but they wanted to know what was the favorite, like, little hidden gem that you found this year? So uh, I would say that the... Uh already come out, but it was my first chance to play it. I'd read it. I knew that I was going to enjoy it. I have a friend, right? And uh, you know how you have that buddy that there's like one kind of uh, genre or subgenre that they're just going to love every time, no matter how bad it is? 
You can give me basically any sword and sorcery movie or TV show, and no matter how bad it is, I'll be like, what kind of liked it? Okay? No matter how bad. Okay? Uh, I have a buddy, okay? and he loves time travel. It won't take you but half a second to name the worst time travel story you've ever seen, where you're like, the plot holes were big enough that you could back a truck through them. You got ten of them right on, right, right at the top of your deck. To where you're like, oh yeah, the time travel, it's either good or it doesn't work. But no matter how bad it is, he loves it. Okay? So uh, okay. we got a chance to play Monty Cook Games, Stealing Stories for the Devil. Uh, Monty recently kickstarted it. It did really well. Uh, the game came out. It's, uh, it's a very interesting game. So you are from the super far future, and you have gone way back in time. You have finally found out that, you know what, I'm ready to go home, so you're headed back to the future, right? And uh, you rent, you, you arrive mm -hmm. about now, which is not the far future, and you find out that you can't go any further forward because there's things that are out of whack in now, and you got to go fix them, right? So in the game, mm -hmm. because you're so far from the future that any, any significantly advanced technology will look like magic, you have abilities that no one would have, and your abilities are the ability to lie. Okay? So you can lie to people, and whatever you lie about, they will believe. You can lie to objects or things, and whatever that you lie about, they will believe. You can lie about situations, and whatever you lied about, the universe will believe. Okay? So you have to go and fix these problems. Here's the deal. The game's set up as a heist. It's like it's Ocean's Eleven, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to go and plan out a heist. You don't got to worry about... The D and D plan where you got to be absolutely perfect because the GM's going to get you. Doesn't matter if the plan's perfect or not. You're going to go lie about everything. So you walk into the room and you know some guys do you know in your way. You lie to them. And they got to go do something else, right? There's an object in your way. You lie to it. You, you know there, there's a situation. You just lie about the situation to the universe, and then the universe goes, yeah, yeah, that's what I always thought. Um, there's limitations. Obviously, you can't lie about something that you know to be true. So, like, uh, if a car is in front of you, you can't just lie to the universe and say that car isn't there. That wouldn't work, okay? because you can see the car. If the, there's a garage, you can lie to the universe and go, hey, since I haven't seen in this garage, there's no car in this garage. When you open up the garage door, there's no car. Some limitations on your abilities, but uh, you're clearing out this one MacGuffin, right? Through this whole heist movie that you do, y'all build collaboratively, and the whole time since, you know, you're supposed to be the liar, which is very much in keeping with heist. And it's a time travel thing, right? So mm -hmm. we sat down, we played it, and everyone was really into it. It was incredibly silly. It was incredibly fun. So, uh, the MacGuffin causes anomalies within the building it's in and anomalies without the, you know, the building. And until you clear it out, you can't go forward. That was the hidden gem for me. Stealing stories from the devil, or excuse me, stealing stories for the devil from Monty Cook Games. It was just, I mean, nothing can go wrong in that game. It sounds incredibly fun and also very, very difficult to GM. As long as your GM's just sort of like, yes, and keeps going, because it was edge of the seat for the whole time. See, you, you said it, yeah. Go ahead, go. Yeah, sorry, not to cut you off. Um... You saying about it seems hard for the GM. That sounds like the perfect game for me. That too. That sounds like my kind of, all right, what are we doing? Okay. <laughs> you, all right. <laughs> Let's go. I, uh, I, yeah. 
I love those kind of games. I love that. Just let me go. Please mm-hmm. don't hold my hands. It's fine. I want to see how crazy they can get. It's okay. Fair, fair. No, like I, I like it sounds incredibly fun. See, I've I've tried mm-hmm. messing with time travel in games. And that's some difficult shit to do well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like like I'm incredibly uh what's the gumshoe time one? Uh um, oh, time watch? Time yes. That looks interesting. Well, you know, kind of like I, of course to me it, it corresponds to um the Time Bureau and Loki, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because I just thought Owen Wilson was hysterical in that role. But oh. uh, and also in the one clip, the the one screen cap they put up for the header for it on uh, Disney Plus, he also looks incredibly like Alex Trebek. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> there's the one shot of him in the elevator with Loki, I think, and he does. He looks like Alex Trebek. I gotta go find that. <laughs> Like oh, oh, <laughs> Jeopardy continues. But yeah, no, time is is a is man. It it can and that sounds like like you said it be it would be really really fun to play. I'm surprised I missed hearing about that at all because I actually just got the PDFs for the last thing I backed for Money Cook and I haven't had a chance to look at them yet. But it wasn't that. So, uh, so I don't know what other kind of like cool stuff did you find out about that. Uh, just, you know, either a personal interest or just, wow, that's a really, really neat game. Uh, so let, let, let's go back to one that's been out for a second. For whatever reason, this was the year of, this game comes in a box. So uh, Stealing Stories for the Devil comes in a box, and you get a bunch of cards when you play it. You get to play cards at uh, certain points. The cards have abilities and whatnot. It's a lot of fun. The other game that got me was I, I bought it forever ago, and uh, had literally never opened the thing. And I'm like, well, at this point, we're going to the convention. I'll just play it there. If I like it, great and good. If not, oh well. Uh, Magpie Games Zombie World. Okay? Uh, it's a Power by the Apocalypse game, but you don't use any dice. Everything's cards. It's just, if they, they have cards. The cards are not playing cards, but they're that size. Mm-hmm. Character sheet is a uh, uh, erase. Just fill out the form there. Uh, you've got, you know, your standard four abilities. Uh, one's a three, one's a two, and one's a one. That's how many cards you'll draw. And uh, you, know, you go through, you build out your zombie apocalypse world, which is basically whatever haven that you've set up. And uh, then you build the relationships between the characters. And then the GM just says, okay, now when the relationships went bad, who wants to get eaten by a zombie? And you'll go from there. <laughs> I didn't. I, I was not sure if it was going to work. You know, it's uh, powered by the apocalypse. Very simple system. Two d six plus your stat, which is how it is. And uh, this switching out to cards. I'm like, is that actually going to add anything, right? And because you had a bunch of different cards, not just the ones that you draw for when you're rolling your stats, but also uh, your present character, like who they are. That's one card you get. You get two face down cards. One of your face down cards is your trauma. The other face down cards is your past, right? Okay. And then those are things that you can reveal at certain points to get additional abilities. But at the same time, you're required to roleplay through them, right? So whatever your trauma was from the past, because it's been a zombie apocalypse, you know, well, you got to work through that. And then the person sitting next to you, you had to build a relationship with their character. Maybe y'all are antagonistic towards each other, maybe not. 
And then, of course, it's like any zombie thing. you got to either decide to work together, or you're going to be tripping someone and trying to push them into the zombies so you can get away yourself. Uh, that game just worked out really well. That sounds fun. Uh, boy, like, I, I, never having gone to a convention of that scale, I don't even, you know, 100% know what to ask. Like, go ahead, go you know, ahead. we have... I was gonna say we have our our local convention that's that's coming up again here in a, another month and a half. Holy crap, it's coming fast. Oh, I know, right? Uh... <laughs> um, you know, but that's I think last year they said they had I forget three three and a half thousand through the door total. It's a nice number. That's a good number. You know, combined, but it and that was a little bit like it's just a general gaming convention you know a lot of video game good amount of tabletop but yeah they're trying to sort of blend the worlds of all gaming it's it's a really nice balance i think they hit but yeah i I, it's wild hearing that i don't know for years and years and years gen con was always the small convention Uh like it was like oh go to gen con it's the little one (laughs) okay because all of my friends would be like, we're going to, what is it? Origins. Yeah. Origins. Origins. And they're like, yeah, I don't want to go to origins. It's, it's the big convention. I'll go to Gen Con this year. Cause there's only going to be like a thousand people there. <laughs> and then just to hear these astronomical numbers after everything's come back, just really gives me a, a lot of hope in both like the nerd space and the nerd gaming community. And B, it's just really awesome to hear when you're saying stuff like, you know, people selling dice are out of dice, um, Mm -hmm. free leagues selling out of books. Like, that's so freaking cool. Like, that is so cool. Indeed. Uh, Other thing that's nice about the convention is that we all have our social media friends, right? mm -hmm. We've all got friends that they live in another country that English isn't even the primary language, right? you go to that convention and they're there you know you were never going to meet them face to face you were never going to go to their country exactly and yet you know you get to walk up shake their hand talk with them it's a lot of fun i think that was for us that was you know we went to the gamer nation con that the d20 network does there in Mm -hmm. texas and you get to meet a lot of the people that you know you know a number of them we've had on the show or you've listened to their podcasts Mm -hmm. you know you you know conversed with them on discord and such and like I we met uh, Brett Bowden for the first time, and he goes, "See, I really do have legs." <laughs> <laughs> oh, indeed, indeed. You know, but like, yeah, it was just it was it, and some of it too. Like, and I would imagine, you know, maybe you know, for you, not this, but I know, you know, for me, when I was younger and getting into gaming, you had this image that these creators and the people that made these books were some sort of like you know, super special, amazing, whatever people. And I, I, I don't mean that like in a, it just it, like you had this like image of them, that like they must live in like these castles and whatever. <laughs> and then, you know, and it, it, it's come down a bit, you know, when you get to talk with them, you know, for us, like on the podcast or whatever, mm-hmm. but then like, you know, uh, Sam Gregor Stewart from Edge Studios was at a Gamer Nation Con this year. And nice. like, he's just a, normal dude <laughs> you know like very cool but like it just you know or other people that you met and you're like you know i don't know what i imagined this person looking like but the person i'm standing here talking to is not the image in my head in my head give you a, a story like that for gen con right 
So, uh, y'all know Matthew Lillard, mm-hmm. the actor, played uh, in Scooby-Doo. He's Shaggy. Yep, yep, yep. So yep. He runs Beetle and Grimm, him and five, four or five of his friends. Mm-hmm. He's on the convention floor on Saturday at the booth. If you want to see a product or talk, like, it's Matthew Lillard that's going to be helping you. Well, he's super nice individual that way. Uh, not on the convention floor, but, you know, Joe Manganiello was there. Like, he was uh, at the booth with uh, Herbert Weiss and Tracy Hickman. And they're just at the booth. They're just there. You know, it, the, the, they'll sign stuff. They'll, you know, super nice individuals. And, you know, we haven't even gotten into the creators, right? Because there are, of course, mm-hmm. the people that, you know, like, they got lines. And definitely Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman, when you go past their booth, it's always a line when they're there. Everyone wants to see them. So, yeah, you're right. Like, going to the convention, you get to meet the people. They're nice. They're there. They're approachable. Uh, you get to find all the people that made your favorite games, you know, and uh, ask them what's next. And everyone's very personable. I love about gaming. Since, uh, yeah. Let, 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 me, let me venture this. So uh, can I give my, my short guide to, uh, you've never been to Gen Con before, my top recommendations. Oh, absolutely. Um, so I would imagine, because it's Thursday to Sunday, but most people, I believe, arrive on Wednesday, right? Because mm-hmm. it's hard otherwise. So number one, Gen Con will mail you your badge. I definitely recommend doing the mailing. Don't do will call. Okay. It's like 15 bucks or whatever to have your badge mailed to you, plus the tickets for any games you might do. Just do that. Because that will call line is at least an hour of your convention. At least. Once you're there, if you get there Wednesday, just go downtown, park, you know, and walk the convention center. You will know your people because they are there with you. Okay? You get a good lay of the land. You, uh, I don't know if you can get to the Lucas Stadium that night, but if you can, go check it out. It's just amazing to be down on the field of you know, the football stadium, and you get to look around, check it out, and the whole field is going to be nothing but gamers. Nothing. Uh, And then go check out, you know, some of the hotels. The JW Marriott's got a lot of the games, stuff like that. Uh, If you walk that Wednesday night, you're going to thank yourself as a first-timer because it's going to give you sort of a lay of the land. You'll be able to see where you need to pick up stuff. And then if you want to be there... On Thursday, when they first open up the doors to go into the dealer's room, by all means, knock yourself out. If you wait 30 minutes, it's a lot easier to get in. You know, go and check that out. Go play. I may have lost y'all. No, no, you're back. You, you, you faded out, but you're back. Okay, good, good. Like, it froze up on my end. I'm like, oh, I got that boring. Wow. <laughs> no, I think you just, you, you're one of, somebody's internet burped. Indeed, indeed. Well, I apologize about that. No, that's all right. So Thursday, go in, check it out. Uh, but Wednesday, get a lay of the land. Thursday, go and do your first stuff. Uh, I definitely recommend Dealer's Hall as a Thursday, Friday, and Sunday thing. Saturday in the Dealer's Hall, it's hard to move around. And uh, while you're in the Dealer's Hall, if you see a game that you like, and probably the booth is selling it, is probably the creator of said game. Go and talk to them. And uh, definitely say hi and thank them for that game. And the thing I'd recommend is sign up for some games. They got a lot of games there that you're not going to get to play otherwise. And I've played a lot of amazing games. And also just different versions of games. I never got to play the classic version of Deadlands until this convention. You know, I never had a chance to play that original version. And it was amazing because the 
DM or the GM knew all the rules. Oh my God, there were so many. <laughs> See, I actually that is one of those ones. It's kind of a I don't want to call it bucket list, but it the OG Deadlands. I I kind of would like to experience. Oh, with the right GM, because every like it didn't matter what I did. I was like, am I doing this right? It's like, okay, now you take this bucket of D12s, okay? You take and roll them, okay? Every take the highest one. It explodes. Okay, keep going, keep going. Okay, you got to 36. That's five raises. Okay, now grab your deck of cards. Now cut them. Okay, now what's your high? Okay, so you got 273. 270. <laughs> keep that number. I mean, it just kept going to where I'm like, oh, this is great. Because he could walk me through it. If I had to retain it, ah, oh, it'd be terrible. That sounds like playing Mutants and Masterminds with Alex Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> that would be absolutely awesome to play any Mutants and Masterminds, but with Alex Thomas would also be awesome. I've had him run that game for me twice now, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm completely ruined on it. I tried to play that game. I tried to set up a game where I was running it, and I was like, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. I'll wait until I see Alex again. I'll make him run it for me. Yeah, no, if if you ever get the chance to play with him, Egg, by all means do it. He is an amazing GM at that system. Oh. He knows that system like it is the back of his hand. It's wild. There's no, there's no point, like, if you said, hey, like, we're playing Mutants and Masterminds, I'm there. Oh. I'm going to be terrible at it, but let's do it. Mm-hmm. It is a really fantastic system. Um, Last thing, um... It is super important to know this. Indianapolis has uh, uh, the downtown area. Uh, you're going to need to pull up a map and figure out what restaurants you need to eat at. And if you're from 24-hour-a-day city, be aware that Indianapolis rolls up the sidewalks about 9 o'clock. So uh, if you're from a city that rock and rolls for a while, just have that in mind that when, when the dealer's room closes or when your last game is coming to an end, you need to already know where you're going to go eat. There's a spaghetti place real close to there that I've been to that was pretty good. Forget what it's called. I've walked past it. say spaghetti factory, but I feel I'm going to That be wrong sounds like it might be it. I was thinking spaghetti warehouse, but I think that's down yes. in Pittsburgh. Yes, yes, yes. That sounds more right. <laughs> spaghetti that place more real right close there. there. I was actually in there once uh, when I was out <laughs> visiting family, so Indeed. that was good. Yeah, if you go, it's a lot of fun. Um, stay hydrated and all that. Uh, if you're from extremely hot hot parts of the country, such as I am, when you get to Indianapolis, you're like, oh, man, it's in the upper 80s. Oh, this <laughs> is heaven. This is so nice. But, uh, you know, for other people, mileage may vary. We went to Texas in April. It was actually warmer here than it was in Texas. Wow. Oh, wow. It was really pleasant in Texas. Oh, it was beautiful. It was... A- <laughs> uh, it was really pleasant there. I can't wait to go back. It was, according to one of the locals, <laughs> you caught the one week of spring that we get every year. <laughs> uh, I uh, I keep saying I want to go back and see Texas in the summer, but not this summer. Not not this summer. No no no. <laughs> that is awesome. I'm glad that y'all had a good time. That really like the weather means a lot. And I mean that is an entirely different experience though, because that convention is all about playing games. Like, there's not even really yeah, a vendor presence. I think there's uh, two panels. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could do more, but it's it was literally just play games, play games, play games. And to boot, if you're into board games, Gamer Nation Con is amazing because they do it at this little... Basically, they rent out this shop for mm-hmm. the weekend. It's a 
like a gaming club, effectively. Nice. Do you remember what the count was on how many board games they have in the library, Steve? Was it? I don't remember the exact number. Thirty-five hundred oh. or oh. seven. That sounds about right. Like, and I'm talking literally everything from chess to Gloomhaven. Like, literally <laughs> on the shelf. Pull it off. Go play it. There was a copy because we were messing around with it just to see what it was of the original like Mattel or whatever, Planet of the Apes board game. Nice. You know, like just stuff like from, you know, modern, you know, board gamey stuff to classic stuff to just oddball vintage stuff to like, well, Steve and I ended up, I've owned Munchkin Panic, the Munchkin version of Castle Panic for Mm -hmm. several Mm -hmm. years. It's still in the shrink wrap. We played it there. Understand? Understand? You know, it, it just like, yeah. But I think that that is kind of the neat thing is is getting, and and it sounds like you got to do that a lot at, at Gen Con is play those games that you've wanted to uh-huh. or just went, oh that looks interesting and uh-huh. fun. Let's try that. Absolutely. Getting to play those games that you know you want to play. Sometimes the only place you're going to be able to do it is at a convention. You know. Yeah. Especially with a role playing game, you got to get all the people that are interested. You get to a convention, you're going to find people that are interested. That is, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. It's, it's, you know what it is? It's an internet forum in real life. Amen. Amen. <laughs> uh, 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 With maybe it's better than an internet less forum. Trollery. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to scare people off from going to conventions. Well, uh, see, well, okay. I, I enjoy internet forums. I've had my fair share of, of good ones and my fair share of bad ones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's fair. I usually just peace out on the bad ones. But, yeah, fair enough. So but. a good internet forum. How's that? Sometimes you're invested. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, unless you have more to say on Gen Con egg, um, I, I could go on about uh, more stuff, but uh, I know I'm also getting a long winded. So, I've hit the high points. How's that? Well, hey, I mean, you know, it sounds like something that I, despite my aversion to crowds, I probably should do at least once. Yeah, we'll make a, we'll make a, a trip out of it at some point. I highly recommend it. Highly recommend it. If uh, crowds, like, not, not, not to disparage Gen Con at all, I really love it. If you still want the big convention but don't want the crowds, obviously, X Unplugged or Origins, either of those. Not as big as Gen Con, but still a similar feel. Luckily enough, it's equal distant for me to go to either one of those. Origins is three hours closer. Mm-hmm. For us. Ah. <laughs> well, see, we ha- <laughs> for us, we drive through Columbus to get to Indianapolis. That explains that. <laughs> Columbus is halfway to Indianapolis. <laughs> I mean, I enjoy Origins a lot. Highly recommend that one, too. Uh, Gen Con is a lot of fun. Well, I suppose we ought to give you a, a little bit of a chance to talk about all the places people can find all the other stuff you do, because I know it's a really long list. <laughs> so let's do this. Let's do this. Um, keeping with the theme of uh, conventioning, uh, I'll be a guest at Multiverse Convention in Atlanta, October 20th to the 22nd, where I hope to run a lot of games. And uh, I will also be attending, though not as a guest, uh, Dragon Con in Atlanta as well, August 31st to uh, September 4th. I will not be there all five of those days because Atlanta at that time of the year is my God hot. <laughs> uh, 
Out beyond that, I write for Ian World, uh, ianworld.org. Uh, I'm one of the columnists, and my focus is generally a crowdfunding for role-playing games. I do interviews, and I do a weekly column where I talk about some of the games that are coming up that I think are very neat. And I write for Knights of the Dinner Table, the print magazine from Kinzer & Company, where I do reviews of some games. Uh, every once in a while, I write for Geek Native. Uh, I used to write for D20 Radio. And uh, I'll write for anyone else in terms of RPG journalism that I would have me. Cool, cool. Just out of curiosity, how has uh done anything more with Human Almost? I know the last time we talked, you, you sent us some copies of that. That is okay. I haven't. I say I haven't actually gotten to use mine yet, but I have a huge stack of games that I haven't gotten to use yet. So you're in good company. That is all that I ask for. That's all that I ask for. Um, I need to do an update for it. I have not put out another game uh, that I believe y'all covered, and I thank you very much for all the coverage of the games. I greatly appreciate that. Uh, but I put out another game called Off Face, uh, which is my Face Off uh, uh, tribute, and I'm working on other games behind the scenes, but. I don't get them done as quickly as I'd like. I, I have excuses, but none of them are great. <laughs> like, you know, work for day jobs. If it weren't for day jobs, <laughs> I think we both understand that exact <laughs> sentiment. Indeed. Uh, I thought the choice of me deciding what I get for dinner was going to be a winner. Right? Really? This, you know, this adult thing is not what it was all cracked up to be when we were growing up. It wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't. Half the time it's like, oh, I gotta eat dinner. I don't know what I want. It's coming to the agreement on like, so where do you want to eat? I don't know. Where do you want to eat? I don't know. <laughs> Restaurant, probably. Probably. Uh, Typically a good first choice. <laughs> <laughs> Adulting, it is fun. It is, isn't, isn't it? it, it is. Oh, <laughs> uh, speaking of adulting, it's time for game of the week. Woohoo! Game of the week. All right, so you've played this before with us, and, and but although this, I will say, Egg, being as it's your third time back on the show, you have now officially, whether you like it or not, become an honorary Steve. <laughs> so this is your first time playing Game of the Week as a Steve. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> so right. who would like to go first? I can go first. I have something really simple, straightforward, and to the point. Okay. Uh, so I really like the basic role-playing system that Call of Cthulhu runs on. Mm -hmm. And I found a scenario for Call of Cthulhu. It's not necessarily a full game, but it's a scenario for it. A mm -hmm. couple things caught my eye. First off, it's called Signal to Noise, uh, and it's a 1980s analog horror scenario. The first thing that caught my eye is it's set in Summit Heights, Pennsylvania. Okay. I don't know where Summit Heights, Pennsylvania is, but I'm pretty sure that there probably isn't a Summit Heights, Pennsylvania, but you can insert anywhere you want to be. Um, you experience a series of bizarre broadcast and, uh, intrusions on the local te uh, television station. And between the strange haunting nature of these pirate broadcasts and a recent string of disappearances, the town's on a knife's edge. And station manager assembles a team of investigators to hunt down these signals and put a stop to them. And this sounds like the perfect thing for Call of Cthulhu. This sounds amazing. Mm -hmm. I cannot mm -hmm. wait to get this on a table. It's $7.49 uh, currently on sale, which probably won't be on sale by the time you hear this. Um, you got a link for this, Steve? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm having trouble look, calling it up for some reason. Click, click, click. It's in the green room. Doop. 
Okay. I was getting a different signal to noise, and that's what was confusing me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this looks really fun, looks really cool, and I... Oh, man, I gotta get my hands on this, because I needed a scenario to run in Call of Cthulhu, and this looks great. Well, this is Sounds also awful. up your alley. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I have no shame about that. Yeah, it is up my alley. Oh. <laughs> it does look... But yeah, that's Signal to Noise. That there looks really go. cool. Uh, by Colin Richards. Cool, cool. All right. Steve Embry, would you like to go next, or would you like me to? <laughs> So, uh, oddly enough, one of my uncles, not, not uncles, one of, uh, one of the cousins, his name is Steve Embry. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, let's go ahead and do this. Let, 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 let me see if I can, see if I can do this right. So, uh, <laughs> if, if when you're redoing this, if you'll just lead in with a, lead in with a banjo right here, right? Okay, Steve, you'll have to stick the mic out the window. <laughs> no, yeah, uh, hold on. <laughs> so, uh, I'm going to go. We'll see if the natives are, or the rest, West Virginians are up for it. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to go with the game I did not get to play, but I really wanted to at the convention. Um, give this a shot. Oh, God's Appalachia. Game. Uh, okay. I uh, haven't looked at it yet. That's the, the one that I just got the PDFs for. <laughs> I want it. I want it so bad. Let me set this up for you. If you have ever heard the podcast. A couple episodes. He goes into some details. You come to a crossroads, family have to decide what you're going to do and there's no greater crossroads in these united states than indianapolis indiana and there within their convention center is one room that they have dedicated to monty cook games and within that room you might play those games family but more so you might buy those games <laughs> they have it set up so that you can not only sling some dice and see what would happen if you were in the woods in a dark place with some unknown creature or might just give them your credit card and say, Hey, I'll take a copy of that. So <laughs> take two. <laughs> They're small. I'll take two. I <laughs> uh, like uh, that, that, that game. Um, I was not sure if I was going to be super into it or not. Right. I don't always, I, I had heard podcasts a little bit, but I don't always respond well to, uh, that voice being from the South, right? Like, um, I have as much Southern accent as I generally hear uh, among my brethren. And uh, when someone has a deep, folksy Southern accent going, uh, I always worry, like, am I being made fun of? I got into it. You know, I, I checked that, like, I checked out the podcast, and I was like, oh, yeah, like, I'm, I'm digging this more and more. And uh, then, you know, I, I hadn't gotten the game. They, they sent me a review copy, which I've got to get the review done. They sent me a copy. I got to get it done. Um, but I'm at the convention center, right? And I'm like, oh, man, I should really play this. Well, they have it set up to where they got it just sitting out, right? And it's such a nice display of it. And you get to thumb through it. They got all the books. You know, it, it's obviously it's dark horror. It's it's basically, you know, since we're talking about Call of Cthulhu earlier, it's that feel, you know. But something about it speaks to me. And uh, it's mm -hmm. high on my list. It uses the cipher system. You know, same as Numenera and some of the other games. And what I've seen of it so far, it looks like it uses it very well. And it's Monty Cook, so he never slacks on any production. So, mm -hmm. we were there, they had a player's guide, they had the core rule book, you know, he had a coins. They had it to where they gave you a little $5, you know, um, 
company town script. Oh, very, very apropos for the Appalachia setting. And uh, you, you got that little $5 script and, you know, you, you got to get a discount on one of his games. But you're like, I would kind of like to keep this little piece of paper that's the script. And he's like, no problem. Punches a hole in it and gives it back to you. So uh, it was uh, it was a good experience. And that is high on my list. Yeah, I, I got my backer PDFs this week. Actually, I had gotten the email about them and I, like I got the email on my phone. I'm like, I don't want to download them on my phone. I'll wait till I'm, you know, where I can put them on a computer. And so I flagged the email and then I forgot about it for like a week. <laughs> oh no. Doing something. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I need to go check this. I look and then I had to send them a couple more dollars for some shipping for the, because I backed it on Kickstarter. Yes. But uh, yeah, so I'm eagerly awaiting getting the, the print copies because I've heard nothing but amazing things about everything printed that Monty Cook does. So. And and I think, like you said, there's the setting, and I think some yes. of it is I like kind of that dark, twisted, cosmic kind of horror thing a lot. And then you add in that, you know, like, I mean, I grew up, still kind of live in, you know, the, but I grew up in kind of the upper reaches of the Appalachians, you know, still do, you know, both Steve and I live in, in what's still considered the Appalachian area. And the, well, you may too. I don't know exactly where you're at in Georgia, but I know that's where it starts. Just, just like in the foothills, just outside, like one county over. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like the images and stuff are just like, mm-hmm. oh wow. You know, like you said, the the podcast. What I've listened to it is is amazing. I bought it, like going. I don't know anything about Cipher System, but I want the setting and information, whether I like the system or not. <laughs> I played Cipher. It's a lot of fun. Um, this I think is actually going to, like this setting i feel is going to be a better iteration of the game in my opinion than some of the others because the horror element's going to work really well the way you create characters with it with cypher it's going to it's going to come together very nicely that's very good to hear all right well is is that yours egg yes yes all right well i have one here and i kind of pulled a page from other steve's book and went looking for Kind of little, simple, cheap games. <laughs> which I have a million of these. Very fun. I have of. a million of these. So I found a game system. It's called Deep Space. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. I have a, that one. <laughs> a simple space adventure TTRPG. All of four pages. Um, and it looks to be just a pretty simple, very rules-light, very creative-heavy space exploring game. And it says all you need is paper, pencils, and a D12 or two. So you've got me, okay? I don't need much. I get to play with D12s. We're we're great. (laughs) And apparently the creators are British because they're calling it a quid game because price on drive-thru for the PDF is $1.27, but they're saying it costs a British pound. So (laughs) there you go. And the other thing that's really cool about this is they have a ton of supplements out for it that are all a dollar 27 or a dollar or, you know, like just dirt cheap, you know, Mm -hmm. like adventures or little supplements or whatever. And we've in, in one of our play groups been playing a few of these little, you know, like one page things, these little 200 word RPG challenge. We played one that was called heavy metal wizard sorcerers, which was incredibly fun for being just, a handful of words on a page. We had so much fun with that game. 
so I, I, I think sometimes, you know, those of us like we, we go, well, there, how could you have the rules for gaming that screw having the rules, just get a feel and go <laughs> have fun and let yourself do it. And you really can have so much fun with these because they lean heavy into the spirit of what they want you to do and don't make you worry about how you do it. You just do. <laughs> so yeah, that's, like I said, I, I'm, I'm going to shout out deep space. Uh, yeah, there's supplements and adventures and all kind of stuff, and it's all real cheap. You said you actually have this, Steve? I do. I picked it up a long time ago. Uh, I was just looking at it the other day. <laughs> but yeah, it's really cool. It's really, really cool. But yeah, like I said, I just, I mean, having having played with some really simple light stuff recently and, and just realized how much fun it is if you just kind of let your creativity go and don't worry about a system. It can be a hell of a lot of fun. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Anything else you would like to shout out, uh, Mr. Embry? Uh, because I spoke with him today, um, on bar gallant night games. Uh, I have, he sent me a PDF of an upcoming game. He has, he's got, uh, another project that I'm about to do an interview with him on. So, uh, shout him out like i saw him at the convention super nice guy as always and uh he's got a million good games a tiny d6 being uh one of the things he's better known for and uh keep an eye on what's coming next for him he's got a he's got Mm -hmm. some cool projects coming up awesome awesome and with all that being said as always links to everything are in the show notes facebook discord twitter patreon we have a brand new patreon episode out so if you want to go check that out uh, join our Patreon and you'll get that episode and all the links and details are in, in the doobly-doo. Um, as always, we want to thank everyone for listening and remind you to be kind to one another and get out there and play some RPGs. Yep. Take care, y'all. Intro and outro music by the band 12 Noon. You can email us at meandsteverpg at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and RPGs. Find us on Facebook at Me and Steve RPG Podcast, on Discord at Me and Steve RPGs, and as always, all of these links are in the show notes. Thank you, and be kind to one another. How much for the cigar? Cigar, 20 bucks, dog. You gotta go down the street to the store and buy that. Baldur's Gate doesn't count. It can only count to three. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. Sorry to interrupt the ending here, but y'all saw the thing uh, in one of the news sites. uh, Mm -hmm. Cyberpunk Runners anime. Okay, that dropped, right? Um, And then... One of the news sites ran an article about how to run Cyberpunk Edge Runner as a 5e game. Okay? And of course, the internet lost its mind. This was months and months ago, right? So someone answered that and said, Hey, so I'm playing Cyberpunk and uh, I like Baldur's Gate. 
I'm going to take it to a conversion so there's a dedicated game for Baldur's Gate. <laughs> Somebody posted that in our Discord already, mm-hmm. actually. Oh, that's hilarious. I missed that. I missed that. Uh, yeah, like a Reddit post or something, which... I, and see, I, I tend to take things very literally, and so my first thought was, well... I mean, mechanically, if you want to stay, there is The Witcher. It's a bit more brutal than D&D, but... D&D, D&D. <laughs> oh, 